chapter 5. Tell me when you're ready, Steve. And we do apologize that Sunday we announced we were going to have CDs ready and they weren't ready. We're learning how to run this machinery. And I think we've got it lit now, don't we, Steve? All right. Genesis chapter 5. If you'll turn there with me, we're going to uh, do chapter 5 tonight. In the first 13 verses of chapter 6, we're in some deep waters. We're into some meat of the word tonight. And so I'm going to read just the, the first few verses of chapter 5, and then I want to jump over to chapter 6. In chapter 5 it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. Let's stand together and we can read the word. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. Now in the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness. We read about that son last week. We taught on that. After his image, and he named him Seth. Seth is mentioned above in chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. And then, so now uh, Moses is repeating this information because Seth is important because out of Seth's lineage comes the Christ. So after he begot Seth, the days, Adam, uh, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. Now what it's going to do, chapter 5 is going to go through the descendants of Seth, from whose lineage Jesus would come quickly. Say with me, they are Adam, he, he mentions Adam, Seth, then Enos, Kynan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, and then one that we recognize here, not just Enoch, but Methuselah, Lamech, or Lamech, and Noah. He deals with those, what we call the patriarchs of the pre-flood people of God. The patriarchs. So chapter 5 deals with that. Now, chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now I want you to say with me, who in the world were the sons of God? How many of you have ever wondered that? Okay, well, we're going to look at that tonight. Now, look at verse 3. And the Lord said... My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Say with me, don't make God mad. Because he reaches a place where he says, I'm not going to strive with you forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now here is God shortening the age of man. Right there. Verse 4, there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Verse 5, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil constantly. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man. 
whom I have created from the face of the earth. Now, isn't it interesting, just quick pause, that in our day, people are saying, God wouldn't judge people and take their lives. Yes, he will. Yeah, he will. Now, only he knows if that's what happens. We don't know, but he'll do it. Because right here, look at what he says. Both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we're going to stop right there. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Can you just breathe a prayer and say, speak to me tonight, Lord. I receive with meekness your word. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Close encounters of the wrong kind. Now, as I mentioned, chapter 5 deals with the patriarchs of the pre-flood, of the pre-flood people of God. Seth, Enos, Kynan, Mahaliel, Jared. We all know about Enoch. Now, all of these pre-flood patriarchs, pre-flood patriarchs, fathers is what patriarch means, fathers in the lineage of Christ, were born before Adam died. These that we just read about, that I just listed, were born, except for Noah, except for Noah, before Adam died. No doubt, so that from Adam, they might receive a full account of the creation, the Garden of Eden, the fall. Adam had to explain to them, this is what happened to us. This is what happened to us. This is why... Even though you're living for centuries, this is why you will one day die. It's because we fell. We were in a place called the Garden of Eden, but we lost it. I believe God is a God of order and God is a God of purpose. And he he kept Adam alive so that all but Noah could learn the facts. And I believe they learned from from Adam something very, very important. They learned the promise of the Redeemer, Genesis 3.15. They learned the promise of the Redeemer. And let me just read it quickly again. Genesis 3.15, God says to Satan, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. That's the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Because there, way back in that ancient garden, God promised a Redeemer would come. And now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. When God said that to the devil, as I pointed out last week, he immediately began to try to stop this promise from coming to pass. And this matters a lot in light of tonight's message. He tried by the murder of Abel at the hands of Cain, because it would have been through Abel that Christ's lineage flowed. And so then God had to raise up Seth in the place of Abel. And so that attempt to stop the promise of a Redeemer from coming to pass was foiled, was thwarted. But I believe that that Adam took these patriarchs, these men who lived for centuries, 800, 900 years, and told them all these things, a Redeemer is coming. That is what you put your faith in. That's what you put your faith in. And I believe that Adam explained to, to these men that sin is only covered by the shedding of blood. So all these things Adam taught his 
grandsons and great-grandsons, the patriarchs that we listed, that are listed in chapter 5. By the time we come to Enoch, who is the seventh from Adam, we come to the brightest star of the pre-flood patriarchal age, Enoch. We are told that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. You know, I was thinking about these guys today. You know, they lived 800, 900 years. Can you imagine you and I going for a walk, Frank? And me saying, yeah, Frank, those were the days. Remember back in 1826 when we went golfing? And you saying, no, Pastor Jeff, that was 1726. Oh, well, what's a century or two? Because if you stop and think about it, are you ready? Methuselah, who we're going to read about in just a moment, lived 969 years. He lived a millennium. So that if you had Methuselah's years... You would go back to the year 1,005 or so. So that we could talk about our little walk through the dark ages. We could talk about being there when Martin Luther preached the Reformation. We could be, talk about we were there when the Great Awakening happened and, and when the Industrial Age dawned. We... I mean, a thousand years. But then sin began to wear on them. And down they went. We're told that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Jude 14 through 15 tells us that he preached to his generation. Jude preached the coming of Christ. Or not Jude, rather Enoch. Jude tells us Preach the coming of Christ, Jude 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, look what Enoch was preaching, and how did Enoch preach this? Because of what Adam taught him about the promise. Here's what Jude tells us Enoch preached. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. That's the second coming. And there's Enoch, way back in ancient times, preaching this. It's profound. It's remarkable. And then he went on to preach to execute judgment on everybody, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And Jesus was millennia away. But Enoch preached Jesus. That's just, just, that just blows my mind. But that's exactly what Jude tells us. Now here's Enoch walking along one day. The Hebrew here is so powerful. Here's Enoch walking along one day, and it just says, one day, this is what the verse just tells us, like it's telling us that it's 12 o'clock. It just says, one day Enoch was just walking along, and it says, God took him. God took him. God just took him. Look at verse, chapter 5, verse 23. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Verse 24, Enoch and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Folks, he was, and then he wasn't. He was walking along, he was, and then he wasn't. And, and he just woke up in glory. 
And that's exactly, now, now, God never, never does something just to do it. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The Old Testament is types and shadows and pictures of what is coming. Now, what did Jesus say? When I come, there's going to be two people walking in a field. One will be and one suddenly will not be. Two will be sleeping in the same bed. One will be and one suddenly will not be. That tells me you'll have a believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse. And suddenly that believing spouse is, isn't. The unbeliever will get up and look around. Where'd they go? I've told them not to go out at night. But what is the one walking next to somebody in a field going to do? Yeah, yeah, you know, I think I'll go out of the store. What are you going to do today? I said, what are you going to do today? Because the Bible says, when it says he was not, the Hebrew is, the Hebrew is, he couldn't be found. So they were looking for him. They were looking for him. And he was not. And he couldn't be found. Now, you remember when Elijah was walking along, and he had told Elisha, keep your eyes on me. If you see me when I'm taken up, you can have a double portion of my mantle. So Elisha's eyes were peeled on his mentor, and the Bible says that suddenly there were chariots of fire and the horsemen thereof, and Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind and in fire, and it says all the sons of the prophets looked for him and couldn't find him. Those are two Old Testament types of what is coming. Here's what's going to happen. Scoffers and mockers are going to come in the last days, saying, where's the promise of his coming? Everybody's all you've always been saying. The church has always been saying, he's coming back. We're so tired of this. Things are going just like they always have. But the day will come. Let's read it together. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. We will be here and then we won't be here. In another place he says, in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, in a camera flash, quicker than that, we'll be and then we won't. And they'll look for us and we won't be found. I personally believe this is how a lot of people are going to be saved because they're going to remember what their believing loved ones told them. And they're going to realize millions of people don't just disappear. But suddenly, millions of people won't be. You think that's heavy to handle? Hang on. We have more tonight. All right, he was not found. The first raptured man fathered the longest living man, Methuselah, 969 years. Interestingly, Methuselah means he dies, or there is a dart sent forth. His name was eerily prophetic in that it seemed to point to the sending of the flood which came the year Methuselah died. The year he died, the flood hit. Methuselah was the grandfather of Noah, the father of Lamech, 
Noah's father. Lamech named Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us. Noah means rest. And Noah fathered three sons. And this is going to come later, but let me introduce you to them. Say it with me. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Out of those three sons, and we're going to be into this probably next week, soon, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, through them, the whole earth was repopulated after the flood. But now we come down to this mysterious chapter, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Now I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, it came to pass when men began to multiply. Here is now the human race under the curse, under the judgment of sin. They have a promise from God that a Redeemer is coming, and they're multiplying on the face of the earth. And daughters were born to them. Then that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now, who in the world were the sons of God, the daughters of men? We know who they were. They were the daughters of normal human beings, but the sons of God, who in the world were they? Now, the reason this matters is because what we're about to get into is another attack, another attempt on the part of Satan to stop Genesis 3.15. But to get to the answer of who the sons of God are, now, there's a lot of, a a few options out there. Some people say this was the sons of Shem, or this was the sons of Seth, the the offspring of Seth. I don't believe that holds up. I believe if we look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter very carefully, I think we have a better answer. It's powerful, it's mind-boggling, but I believe we need to look at it. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. I hope you came with a Bible tonight. If you didn't, I've got a lot of it up here. Matter of fact, there's 1 Peter right there. So let's go ahead and read 1 Peter 3 together since I have it up here, okay? Who were these sons of God? Let's read. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Now see what I've got underlined? That's on purpose. By the Spirit. So when you see the next two words, by whom, that's carrying over from by the Spirit. So the by whom is by the Spirit. So by the Spirit also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient. Now, pay attention. Watch carefully what we're getting into. Watch this now. They were disobedient When, everybody, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. Now, he's telling us here something happened in Noah's day. Pay close attention. I thank God for Simon Peter because he's one of the few that mentioned this. But notice he said there were spirits, Jesus went and preached to what he's calling spirits in prison, and these spirits sinned, were disobedient, did something wrong, while God was long-suffering with mankind, not wanting anybody to perish. Remember what I told you, how long did it take Noah to build that ark? 120 years. So, for, so God comes to Noah and he says, I'm going I'm to wipe out all flesh, start building that ark. But 120 years went by. We know according to the word of God that Enoch preached, and we know that Noah preached all that time. He preached righteousness all that time. And he didn't have one convert. (laughs) Ah, 
No, God bless him. He had incredible faith. Now watch this. So notice when these spirits he's talking about were disobedient. It was while the ark was being prepared. Something happened in the spirit world with spirit beings while the ark was being prepared. Now the word went, I've got that underlined up there too, by whom also he went. Went is from a Greek word meaning to go on a journey. To go on a journey. Now, according to Peter, between Jesus' burial and resurrection, he went on a journey by the power of the Spirit to preach. Now, listen carefully to me, church. We know that he went to heaven because he turned to the thief on the cross and he said, today you will be with me in where? Paradise. Paradiso. That's just another uh, Greek word for, for heaven. Today you're going to be with me there. But Jesus journeyed two places between his burial and his resurrection. According to Simon Peter, he went and preached to what Peter called spirits in prison. Now spirits comes from the Greek word pneuma. Pneuma. It means breath or life. So the word that Peter uses is pneuma. Now pay close attention here. This is real important. Pneuma is never used to refer to mankind. Not in the Bible. Now God will say men have spirits, but he never calls a man a spirit. So, pneuma is never used to refer to mankind. It is only used to refer to either an angel or a demon. And I gave you a couple of examples here. Hebrews 1.7. And of the angels, he says who makes his angels, what everybody? Spirits. And his ministers a flame of fire. So notice, the Bible clearly identifies angels as what? Spirits. Now let's look at the demon issue. Matthew 8, 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the what? Spirits, pneuma, with his word. So there you have angels are pneumata, pneuma, spirit, and demons are called spirits. But God never looks at a group of men and says, and calls them pneuma, never. They're anthropos, men, never pneuma. So the reason this matters is because I want you to remember and follow with me that Peter is telling us when Jesus died and was buried, his, his spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, went to paradise, but also went down and preached to spirits in some prison. And they weren't people. Everybody go, deep. It's not so bad. Let's look at it. So God never refers to a human being by using pneuma. Was Peter referring to angels then or to demons when he said Christ went and preached to spirits? Well, it had to be demons or fallen angels because un un unfallen angels are not imprisoned. You read about angels that have not fallen in the Bible, they, they are serving God night and day. They're sent to minister to those who will be heirs of salvation. There's not a passage in the whole Bible that shows an unfallen angel imprisoned. 
So they were demon spirits, fallen angels. I'm just letting it settle in. Now, according to Scripture, there are only two prisons in the unseen world where evil spirits are confined. Did you know that? Told you if you'd come on Wednesday nights, you'd learn something. 2 Peter 2, 4. Let's read about one of them. For if God, read it with me, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Now see the word hell in that verse? Hell is from the Greek word tartaros. Say with me, tartar sauce. There you, now you'll never forget tartaros. Okay? Tartaros is like a holding cell where Evil spirits have been, according to Peter, right there, chained in darkness, waiting for judgment. They are chained in darkness, waiting for judgment right now. You know, when I read these things, it just scares me. I get the fear of the Lord. Because it's so real that if he would take an angel who has rebelled against him and, and cast him to Tartaros, chain him in darkness to wait for the judgment, I just, I just plead the blood and I thank God for the blood that got me out of that. And can I tell you something? Once you're there, nobody gets you out. Nobody's going to buy you out. Chances are, something like this is probably where the, the, the doctrine of uh, purgatory came from in the Catholic Church. Something like this. There's no purgatory for human souls that die. Because purgatory, the whole idea is you get out. There's no getting out. And this is why this scares me. Because we live in the age of grace and mercy and the blood. And, and I tell you, folks, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's incomprehensible to me to die without Christ. Because he's got angels right now. They're there in some place called Tartaros, where according to many scriptures, this is just one, they're chained in darkness waiting for the day of judgment. Now the second prison for evil spirits is the bottomless pit. Revelations 9, 1 and 2 mentions it, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. Look what came out of it. Out of that smoke and out of that bottomless pit came locusts that are demon spirits, came upon the earth, and when you continue reading in chapter 9, they came to torment mankind with unbelievable tortures. Look at the, look at the freaky, tormenting beings that came out of what's called the bottomless pit. In the, in the Greek, it's the depth less pit the bottom bottomless pit in the, is a greek word called abusos 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 it's a real place it's a real place say with me applesauce i'm just trying to get you to remember now let's read luke 8 30 and 31 
Jesus asked him, saying, talking to demons, what is your name? The demon answered and said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And what did they do? They begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. But that word is translated from abusos, the bottomless pit. They were begging Jesus, don't send us. They knew about it. They knew that there were two places demons go. And they begged to not be sent to the bottomless pit. So you got these two places. Say it with me. Tartaros, Abusos. Those are the two. Now, Peter said Jesus went and preached to spirits in one of those two places. So where was it? Well, we can know this by what Peter tells us about the spirits or the fallen angels that Jesus preached to. All we got to do is look at what Peter tells us and we'll know. So here's what we know about these spirits that Jesus preached to. First, they sinned in Noah's day. He went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient. Now, stop right there and let me just pop a bubble a minute, because here's why some of you are struggling with this, and you're really going to struggle in a minute. But Pastor Jeff, I thought angels were perfect and always did the will of God. No. I know of two times now in the Bible where there was a multiple rebellion against God on the part of angels. They have a will. And so, don't stumble over this, because this is not me. This is Simon Peter talking. The inspired word of God. But what we're going to see is that these angels sin. And, and so don't let your concept, you know, they're perfect. They never, now I believe they are now, and, and you know, I'm not saying anything is going to happen now. I don't believe that it will, because Christ has risen from the dead, and now they're under his rule, and so on and so forth. But twice in the Old Testament, there was a rebellion on the part of angels against God. When Satan originally fell, and now here. So look what happened. When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, angels somehow sinned. Now, then Second Peter tells us, read it with me, can you? For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to where? Tartarus. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. So these angels, when they sinned in Noah's day, when they sinned in Noah's day, they were judged and they were cast down to Tartarus where they were chained. And they're chained right now. Awaiting the judgment. All right? Now here comes the question. What in the world did they do? What did they do? And what does this have to do with Genesis chapter 6? Okay? Let's just look at what Peter tells us they did. Jude actually provides the answer. Let's read it together. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, that means their office or their dignity, be like the president, uh, there he is in that high place, if he decided, you know, I'm just going to go do what I want to do, and I'm going to forfeit this office of president forever. 
They left a high, holy office. They left their proper domain, what God gave them as angels. They left their own abode. Now let's keep reading. He has reserved in everlasting chains under dark. Who's that sound like right there? Everlasting chains in darkness. Peter. This is Jude now. But he's saying the same thing Peter did. For the judgment of the great day. Now watch closely. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these. Who's the these? The angels who sinned. What did they do? Having Now, he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's saying they, Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, sinned like the angels did. So what does he say the people of Sodom and Gomorrah did? Gave themselves over to sexual immorality and went after strange flesh. That word strange is a Greek word for another of a different kind. It just means a, 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 a species that is not my species. And they are set forth as as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, what did the people of Sodom and Gomorrah do? Let's just be honest, it's clear, it's obvious. Not only were they living in ease and in riches, but Romans 1 is very clear. They gave themselves men, lusted after men, women, lusted after women, 